Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. And as we approach that time of year where a Wednesday feels like a Saturday and a Tuesday feels like a Sunday, the Premier League is offering absolutely no help in dealing with our calendar confusion because a full set of midweek games kicks us off nicely for December as the Premier League enters its final few weeks of 2021 and on today's show we'll be looking back at last night's action in part one Newcastle's winless run has stretched on to 14 Premier League games as they picked up a one-all draw at St James's Park against fellow strugglers Norwich whilst under pressure Leeds grabbed themselves a massive win at home to Crystal Palace that's all to come in part one of the podcast in part two, the focus is on tonight's games. Leicester go to Southampton, league leaders Chelsea head to Watford and record-chasing David Moyes hosts Brighton. And if that's not enough for you, in part three of the show, we have the final three games of Wednesday night. Rain or shine or even snow, there'll be no stopping Sean Dyche as Burnley head off to Wolves. Grealish goes back to Villa and under fire Rafa Benitez faces his first Merseyside derby as Everton boss. Right then, a full spread to get ourselves through on Wednesday's show. As always, on a Wednesday, my name's Fergal Brennan and as always on a Wednesday, we have Wednesday regular Ian Brannan. Ian, how's things? Hello, yes, uh, here celebrating all the joys uh, of the midweek. Um, uh, before we crack on, by the way, because I know we've got a lot to get through, but I think we should um, give uh, a huge congratulations and a, a, an honorary mention to the England women's football team who battered Latvia 20-0 last night in a World Cup qualifying match. Absolutely tremendous. Uh, Ellen White now the leading all-time scorer. 48 goals, uh, many of which she scored last night, uh, as well as uh, Lauren Hemp, Beth Mead, Ella Toon, Georgia Stanway, Jess Carter, Jill Scott, Jordan Nobbs and substitute Alicia Russo all getting on the score sheet. 20-0, the magic of the cup. The magic of the cup indeed. 20-0, it, it is absolutely wild. I did see that last night and just thought to myself, wow. Um, imagine fitting in the time to score 20 goals, but ridiculously uh, impressive stuff from the England's women's national team. Uh, alongside Ian, we also have Marley Anderson, the recently married Marley Anderson. Congratulations, Marley. How were the first few days of married life treating you? Uh, hey, they would have been better if Newcastle had won last night. That's what I asked for for a, uh, a wedding present. But needless to say, Kieran Clark let me down, and I'll be spending the next twenty minutes absolutely hammering him. Um, so yeah, but as for as for married life, it's all all good, all good. 
so far. Very good. Well, I mean, if you, you know, kind of set out as one of the starters in married life that your attitude is going to be governed by Newcastle United's results until death <laughs> does you part, I hope that your uh, new bride has signed a uh, prenup because it's not going to go well. Right, moving on. Right, Newcastle, that's where we are going to start, Marley. Obviously, as you mentioned, two games two games last night in, uh, in the Premier League and neither of them massive amounts get the pulse rating from a neutral perspective. We're going to start with Newcastle. Newcastle won, Norwich City won. Not really a massive amount of chances at either end, really. Just some big decisions made by the referee that dominated on the night. Two big calls. Kieran Clark sent off after nine minutes for what is probably one of the most deliberate fouls I've ever seen in the Premier League. Pulls back Timo Puki. Straight red and he's off. And Newcastle are down to 10 with 80 minutes to go. But then Billy Gilmore gives you a hand in the second half. Handball in the box. And Callum Wilson puts you 1-0 up. But couldn't hold on. And an absolute wonder goal from Timo Puki got a point for Norwich. 14 games in the Premier League uh, without a win. Obviously, the bulk of them are laid at the door of Steve Bruce. But Eddie Howe has swept in. There is a lot of freshness and newness and people are really excited about what he's going to do. But in terms of points, very little has changed. Yeah. Um, in yeah, in yeah, I mean, in the black and white of things, uh, little has changed on the points thing. But in terms of how we played um, and how we've been playing, it's much, much, much better. Um, the only thing... That could relegate us in in you know six months time or whatever it is um, will be that we've run out of time and we've wasted those first ten games um, in relatively winnable games and we haven't won any of them. Um, but last night I thought the performance was fantastic. Um, going down to ten, we were still we still bossed that first half. Uh, we were still the better side that looked like scoring. Um, played very very brave. Uh, Eddie Howe usually because uh, we set up 4-4-2 and when the centre-back got sent off we had to take uh, Ryan Fraser off and instead of saying okay we'll go 4-4-1 we went 4-3-2 um, Joe Linton ended up playing central midfield which uh, he was by far the best player on the pitch uh, he was absolutely fantastic best game I've ever seen him playing in the Newcastle shirt um, he was absolutely everywhere but you know, we just couldn't hang on. The end in in the in the end, it was always going to be a case of are we do we run out of uh, energy because obviously with ten men when you you you're not dominating the ball uh, and you're trying to defend a one 0 lead, you're just hoping something doesn't bounce for them and we're we're too tired to react to it. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. And Pookie scores, and it's one one. And in the end, we we take the point and uh, and move on. But yes, you know, time's running out. Our next five games are horrendous. We have got Burnley on. Uh, Saturday or Sunday, whichever game it is, whichever day it is, I think it's Saturday. Um, have to beat Burnley, and we have to hope now for a serious improvement January onwards. Obviously, you look at that run of uh, runner games to come that's on the horizon between now and Christmas. Burnley this weekend, you do get the sense that it is absolutely massive. Not to to rub it in, but just to remind everyone that doesn't know. Leicester away, Liverpool away, Man City at home, United at home, and then to wrap up the year, Everton away. It's absolutely essential that you get something at Burnley this weekend. You're at home. You would expect the, the crowd to kind of just drive Newcastle on and drive them on because even if you come out of this game with a point at the weekend, going into them between now and the end of the year, it's difficult to pick more than maybe a plucky draw here and there, which would put you in a big, big mess to start 2022. Yeah, um, pretty much summed it up there. We need we need to beat Burnley at the weekend. Um you know, Leicester aren't in the best of positions right now. You can, you know, you can hope for a point at the King Power there, maybe. 
Um, then you've got you know City, United and Liverpool. You're not going to get much there. You st- United are still going to be on that that bounce and that improvement and are going to get better week after week. Um, Liverpool and Man City, you might as well just write it off. doesn't matter where you play them. You can play them on the moon and still not beat them. Um, so then it comes into Everton at the at, at, at sort of just after Christmas and you're thinking by that time they might have a, a new manager. Uh, they might have improved. They might have got Calvert. They probably will have got Calvert Lewin back. Uh, and it's all just a little bit uh, negative. But I mean, the way we're playing is the 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 hope because the, there is much more cohesion with the team now. Um, and there is January coming up. Maybe we can get a couple in in January. I don't know what's going to happen, obviously. But uh, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, we just need to try and fluke our way out of this now because the first ten games and the the protracted takeover and everything that that's been going on is is not a recipe that is like it's, you just wouldn't pick for that to happen to you to your club when you're trying to also compete in a season as well. You kind of want that to happen in the summer, but it hasn't worked out like that. And we've now now just got to deal with it and and the the sort of games that come in the meantime of you trying to sort things out off the pitch as well. Before we move on to Leeds, Ian, I just want to ask you about Norwich. Given the situation at Newcastle, a month ago, before Daniel Fark was relieved of his position, Norwich and Newcastle were in an almost identical situation in terms of really struggling to get results. Obviously, Fark got their first win of the Premier League season in his final game in charge. But just looking at their results uh, in the last couple of weeks, they've got more points in the last month than Newcastle have got all season. And that was a little bit to do with Fark, but generally speaking, it's to do with Dean Smith coming in. Form-wise, nobody outside the top six is in a better run of form than Norwich. It is easy to sneer at this new manager bounce and the fact that they're still going to have big problems to stay up. But everything they're doing, whilst it mightn't be the most exciting or headline-grabbing, everything they're doing is slowly and steadily moving them away from the drop zone. Very slowly. Um, I think you know they've not had the, the toughest slowly, fixtures yeah. either. But you know, you, you always do get the, the new manager bounce. That 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 is always something to take into account. That said, what I would say is Dean Smith has got some good experience in 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 you know making teams dig in and 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 survive. Uh, you know that they're not going to roll over this year. If they do go down, they'll, they'll be there fighting for it. Um, it's hard to say what's what's going to happen at the bottom. You know, there's so many teams that could easily get dragged into it. And you look at the league table as it is. You know, anybody in the bottom half, actually, as it stands at the moment, could end up easily getting dragged into that. Some very tricky fixtures coming up over the Christmas period, which is always key. There's always that um, stat that you don't want to be bottom at Christmas. So whoever that is, it could be any of those three down there at the minute. Um, you know, it, I, I think that Norwich have got that experience of being a bit of a yo-yo club. You know, they know what is coming and they probably hopefully have learnt from it and know that they need to dig a bit deeper and maybe changing the manager at the point in the season that they have rather than leaving it till after Christmas might be their best move, possibly. But I don't know. It's a nightmare down there. You don't want to get dragged into it, (laughs) that's for sure. And you certainly don't want to end up in the championship. No, no. A nightmare at Christmas for probably about half a dozen teams, but they'll want to be avoiding, obviously, that situation. We're going to move on to Leeds. Ian, I mentioned in the notes that this was a bit of a snore fest at Ellen Road, a massive result and a big three points for Leeds. But you told me off before we started recording that it wasn't a snore fest. And in fairness, I will apologise because when Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds are involved, it rarely is a snore fest. 
given the fact that Leeds have been under a bit of pressure, they've not been as bad as, sorry, Newcastle, but results haven't been really going their way. There seems to be a little bit of sluggishness about them in terms of getting the points that they need and getting the wins that they need. This was a massive result for them last night. It's not the first win of the season, obviously, but at a time when maybe Bielsa's feeling a bit of pressure that he hasn't felt before, this is three huge points against Palace. Yes, um, it, it was a very, very big result, uh, much needed, as you say. I don't think that there's the same pressure on Bielsa as maybe some other teams that would have found themselves in a similar position. You know, you go four matches without a win, and yeah, the pressure obviously ramps up. But you know with Bielsa, because of what he's done and who he is, he is kind of, um, it, it, unless you're a, an idiot, the fans are not going to get on his back. You know, we're not going to have a big revolt and people throwing stuff from the stands at Bielsa. That will never, ever happen. It just can't and won't be allowed to happen, I don't think, by the majority of fans. Um, so he's earned his, you know, his place and people trust that he knows what he's doing. And now you've got to take into account here as well that Leeds have had so many problems with injuries. I don't think Leeds have put out a full-strength side, if, ev- if ever, in the Premier League. First-choice side, that you would say. Um, still waiting on Bamford to come back. Apparently he could be back this weekend, if not for the, for the next match. So that has been a big miss because Patrick Bamford contributes so much to Leeds' play beyond just the goals. And he was the top scorer for Leeds. One of the top scorers in the Premier League, in fact, uh, in terms of English players, last, uh, last season. And so for him to be out for so long, you know, losing your best striker, that would affect any any team. And as I say, it's not just the goals. He contributes to the play, the build-up play, the hold-up play and all that. So he's a key part of the Leeds system and one of the reasons that intensity perhaps hasn't been there. They've been missing Luke Ayling. Um, they've had other injuries in defence as well. So, you know, it's just been one thing after another. And finally, it seems like Leeds's full-strength side is starting to, to get back in the game again. And, um, yeah, I, if you watch the highlights, it probably does look a bit of a snore fest, but it had its moments. Um, Benteke had a huge chance that he put in the side netting. You probably took that shot another 10 times. He'd smash it home every time, but he didn't. Um, Meslier, the uh, the Leeds keeper, made a fantastic save. Where I think again, ninety nine percent of goalkeepers would let it Real go. Stretch through, Armstrong, one. yeah, through his arms, managed to get his fingertips on it just to stop it going over the line. Hey, it might have gone in another day, but it didn't. And then, um, of course, it comes down to that penalty where it was an arm raised, ball hits player's arm. Straight, it's, it's no argument. It's it's a penalty. VAR um, obviously um, came to Leeds uh, aid with that, but then Rafinha with absolute nudges of steel to uh, in the in the ninety third minute in front of the cop. <laughs> do a run-up with a little skip before it. Pause. You can actually hear on the highlights that the whole stadium just goes dead for a millisecond. Absolute silence. And then this huge roar as he <laughs> smashed it home. I mean, what a way to finish it off. Um, so, yeah, if you're a neutral, probably not the most interesting game. But as it has been, I think, for Leeds United fans, not just this season, but uh, for many seasons, and certainly in the Bielsa era, another 90 minutes of, uh, of uh, potentially heart attack-inducing stuff. Uh, <laughs> you never know. You just never... You know, Leeds could be 3-0 up with five minutes left, and you're still thinking, they could lose this 4-3. You know, it's just... That's how it is. <laughs> but as you say, massive result. Really does ease the pressure, um, especially when you consider the games coming up. I mean, the, the game um, this coming weekend is against Brentford, which 
Leeds have to see as a winnable one at home um, because the fixtures coming up for the rest of December are an absolute nightmare. It's Chelsea, then Man City, then Arsenal, then Liverpool. So, um, you know, you've got to cross your fingers till you get to the 28th of December when you've got uh, Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not a set of fixtures in December that you would hope to get much from. And I'm sure that Leeds aren't hoping to get much from. I think it, with those fixtures, if you get anything from it, it's a bonus, isn't it? But they did all right against those teams last year, though. That's the weird thing. <laughs> so who knows? Who knows, indeed. And I think, similarly to Newcastle, it's going to be a tough December for a lot of teams, particularly in the bottom half. Guys, we're going to take a quick break on the Football Social Daily. After the break, we're clicking into preview mode. Six games in Wednesday night's Premier League action. And we're going to be starting with Southampton against Leicester, Watford against Chelsea, and David Moyes' West Ham playing host to Brighton. We'll be back in just a second. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. Just a quick reminder, we are your daily Premier League podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Every 24 hours we have a brand new, fresh Premier League podcast. So if you click subscribe on this one, you can get access to that brand new episode every single day. Right, before the break, we were looking at reviews and looking at last night's action. We're now moving ahead to Wednesday's games. Six matches tonight, and we've broken them into two parts, three in part two and three in part three. So let's get started. Marley, I'm going to go to you first. Southampton against Leicester. This is an important game probably for both sides in terms of maintaining form for Leicester and maybe looking to turn things around a little bit for Southampton. But I want to focus on Leicester because from battling for the Champions League for the last two seasons to kind of looking a little bit flat so far in 21-22 because there's obviously been speculation about Brendan Rodgers. Would he leave? Would he break his contract? Talk of him going to Manchester United. And that's affected results. They've also had a bit of a hangover from playing Thursday nights in the Europa League and then Sundays in the Premier League. But big win at the weekend, 4-2 against Claudio Ranieri, which would have hurt a little bit for a lot of Leicester fans, but they need points on the board and that's exactly what they got. Jamie Vardy with two goals, Johnny Evans back in the team. Brendan Rodgers is obviously now not going to Manchester United, certainly not in the short term. Can Leicester put all of that behind them now? Because they do, like everyone else, have a pretty big and important run between now and Christmas. We know they've got the firepower and the talent and the experience in that team, but they need to put all of the off-field stuff to one side and concentrate on challenging to get into Europe again this season. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think they have. Um, I think, yeah, when you say, you know, they, have they put this behind them, I think Man United appointed Rangnick um, can be finally give Leicester that sort of right he's not going anywhere let's let's crack on now and let's have this if it ever was a bit of a distraction then it's over now and you know he's not going anywhere so everyone can get their heads back down and, and crack on um I think it's hard to to be consistent when you when you doing what Leicester are doing you know they came fifth the last couple of years it's it's hard to go again um but they've got a good enough squad and a good enough manager to do it it's just it's been a little bit uh, slow in the last sort of five, six, seven games, but not, not to the point where your season's in ruins. You know, there's still plenty to play for. Still, the top six is very, very much achievable. Um, depending on what happens 
with I mean the, the top three look like they're, they're going to run away from uh, everyone else but that still leaves one spot to fight for in fourth we don't know who's going to get that Leicester are in that mix with Spurs with Man United with Arsenal and possibly with West Ham as well so there's plenty uh, plenty there and it starts it starts tonight against uh, against Southampton down on the south coast because neither team are in great form I think they've both only won one of the last five I think Southampton may, may even go a little bit further than that but one win in the last five games is is not great for either side, but you know Leicester have a decent record down there. We don't need to mention the the nine nil defeat two years ago that 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 they stuck on Southampton. So I think they've got players coming into form as well. Madison's chipped in with a couple of goals at the weekend, um, and there's plenty in that Leicester side to to say they're going to get back to the level where they know they can be, um, and hopefully go one step further than they than they did last year and the season before. And try and nick that fourth spot because it's it's nowhere near over yet at all. And looking at Southampton, Ian, in terms of their form, as Marley said, they're in a similar situation to Leicester, not in the greatest run of form. But one thing that they can kind of hang their hat on so far this season has been the home form. They've only lost once at home, that was to Watford at the end of October. And going into this game, they beat Villa at home, they drew with Burnley, they beat Leeds, they drew with West Ham, and they drew with United right back at the start of the season. When you're in a position like Southampton where it's not going brilliantly, they're not you know in the bottom three, but they're not really lighting things up, you want to hang hang yourself onto anything. And yeah, Marley's pointed that 9-0 drubbing that probably still lingers in the memory for Harson Hootland and his players. But their home form is something to build on. And when you've not got a lot, that can be really important. Well, yeah, but I mean, if we were saying before, if there's pressure on Leeds and there's pressure on Everton. Well, why isn't there pressure on Southampton? Because they're, they're down there... In the same in the same boat, very much. Um, as you say, they do have this home form, and they've been going quite well there. But the thing with Southampton over the years, and I don't know why it is, and I think we talked about Southampton a while ago in one of the episodes. If you want to delve through the the hundreds of them there is, try and find it. Good luck. Um, but we did sort of talk about why have they never really nailed it. You know, they, they've got um, good support in the area. They've got a nice stadium. Um, they've had owners that have been willing to, to invest over the time, not necessarily consistently and not necessarily the same owners all the time. But they always seem to find themselves in this kind of no man's land between being outside of the, you know, firmly the European places. And sometimes they haven't, you know, snuck in there one way or another. But they've never really challenged, have they? And you'd think that for a team that spent so long in the Premier League, that by now they'd be looking with a bit more ambition to 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 have a more secure life in the premier league and and you know be top half regulars or aiming for the top 6 but they always seem to and it, and it does come down to this inconsistency and i don't know what it is obviously different people different owners different players different managers but it just seems to be a thing with southampton that um they they can't seem to get on this this run but as you say the 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 home form is important i remember seeing that thrashing they had against Leicester I was in the pub in Newcastle no doubt uh, no less I remember it firmly uh, on the on the on the big screen and uh, yeah not a great night um the, yeah they'll be looking to avoid that but I mean to be honest they do need some points though on the board hopefully though as Leeds are currently above them Leicester do win for me selfishly uh, and probably I guess for uh, for Newcastle um, Marley would probably be all behind that I'll as well, that as well <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. I'll, have, I'll have a bit of that <laughs> keep them down there with mm-hmm. us that's right before we move on to Watford-Chelsea I'm going to grab a prediction off you on this one uh, Leicester 10 points from 5 Southampton 8 points from 5 Marley down on the south coast how's this one going to go uh, I, I, I see Leicester winning it 
Um, and I was looking on the uh, the odds, and Leicester are two to one to win this game. So that is uh, that's potential profit there. Um, however, now I've said that, uh, they'll probably lose. Even though I'm going to stick ten quid on it. <laughs> sensible, sensible advice to turn a bit of a profit, Ian. Yeah, I think Leicester um, have got enough. Jamie Vardy seems to have found a bit of form at the moment, and uh, I, th- I think it'll be a close game. Just just a goal in it. Um, I, I don't know exactly how 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 many the goals will be, but I think you know it'd be you know, one nil, two one, something like that to Leicester. Okay, fair enough. Right, moving on. Watford against Chelsea. Ian, we'll start with you on this one. Thomas Tuchel was very annoyed at the weekend. One all draw against Manchester United, following on from a one all draw against Burnley two weeks beforehand, and he's. Frustrated by the fact that they're still allowing teams in late on in the game and they're not wrapping it up, getting that second goal and getting the three points in the bag. And Mark Critchley, who was on with us on Sunday, said something very interesting, which is you look at the top three of Manchester City, Liverpool and Chelsea, obviously not in that order as it stands. Manchester City and Liverpool can blow you away in different ways. They can absolutely blow you out of the water and win 4-5-0. Chelsea don't necessarily do that unless they're playing Norwich. Chelsea's thing is consistency. They'll grind you down and eventually get those three points. But if Chelsea don't have that level of consistency or a reduced level of consistency, they start to kind of wobble a little bit because they can't do what Liverpool and City do. I'm not saying hit the panic button for Chelsea. They're still top of the league. But they do seem to maybe not able to grind those results out that they were doing a month or two months ago. Yeah, um, Chelsea's big strength is is their defence, isn't it? And that's the big thing that's changed since Thomas Tuchel came in. And I think last week when we were talking about the Champions League, on how um, you know they, they've let in the fewest goals, pretty much of, of all the teams in uh, in Europe. Um, so they do have, if not the one of Europe's best defences. But as you say, it's it's the goals up front that uh, that, that are, are not sort of flowing quite so freely. Uh, incidentally, there's an article today um, in the Athletic, which is quite interesting, and it's about goal scorers in general and the fact that we're a third of the way into the Premier League campaign, and there's there's um, only a couple of uh, players who have scored more than five goals after after this point in the season, and that's the lowest. I think in in Premier League history, so goals either are being spread around the team or the traditional striker is having a tough time this season, and and not just for um, not just for Chelsea, but I think all of the the, the, the top teams, um, Man United, Man City, Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal, um, none of the players that have scored over five goals play for them. They'll play for other teams further down. Incidentally, Watford being one of them. So from that, it has to be a bit of a concern that Watford are actually, uh, I know that they're letting goals in, but they're actually scoring among the, the, the most amount of goals in the Premier League at the moment or have done up to this point in the season. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. You know, one of the one of the sort of best attacking lines, and I know that it sounds funny saying that with Watford, you don't associate with that, but statistically that's that's where they're at against one of the best defences in the, in the match tonight. So um could be tricky. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that Chelsea are hitting a bad patch. I mean if that's a if that's a bad patch, I'd take it. <laughs> I'm sure Marley would as well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But Marley, I just wanted to ask you about Watford and, and I do agree with Ian in this sense of that they are scoring goals and, and that will give them a fighting chance in terms of getting themselves out of relegation. But you look at the situation since Claudio Ranieri's come in, he obviously he's a really well liked coach and he seems to have got the players kind of rowing for him and pushing in the right direction. But 
they they're not really good enough to outscore teams across the course of a season. You look at the positive results they've got, 5-2 against Everton and then 4-1 against Manchester United. They are big results, they're big wins. I'm not being a being a killjoy, but the reality is those types of results happen once in a blue moon. They don't happen over the course of a season to be enough to get out of a relegation zone. 1-0 defeat to Southampton, 1-0 defeat to Arsenal and then losing to Leicester last weekend. They're more worrying because Ranieri would probably throw away a 4-1 win to have two or three back-to-back one-all draws or 1-0 wins. It is exciting that they are scoring these goals and they do have a really good attacking line. But ultimately, to be a little bit old school about it, those results are not what's going to keep them up if they want to stay in the Premier League. Yeah, uh, it on on what you say, it does sound a little bit harsh what you're saying, but there is truth. There is truth in it, and you know, if what fans are listening, there probably is a bit more bit of truth in that when you look at it, sort of from a a non Watford perspective. So. You know the 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 big wins they've had as well. Um, they're scoring late in those games. You remember Everton was two one after eighty five minutes, and they won. Um, was it was it five two? They beat Everton. Sorry, uh, so it was like two one. Five two, yeah. Going into the last ten minutes, they got a couple of late goals. Um, and the 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 Man United game was the same. You know, it was two one, and they scored twice in injury time to make it four one and get Solskjaer the sack. So um, there's, there, yeah, there does need to be more consistency. Um, with the results, because they are losing games against teams around them, um, and they need to they need to start getting that consistency because it's it's much easier to have that than to go, you know, oh we're going to lose to I don't know like Villa or Everton or something, and then turn up and absolutely hammer them. Like it's it's almost harder to predict what you're going to do. So um, Watford have still got a good chance though. They've got a good chance of staying up. The 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 strikers are scoring. Um, and that's the that's the main thing when you're down there. If you're uh, if you're on the verge of the relegation zone, you need something. You need either a good defence who doesn't concede many, or you need a, a striker or a couple of strikers that are going to chip in with, with a few goals. Um, and they seem to have the the latter of those two. So um, they're still not by no means in trouble, um, but they do need a bit more consistency, and that will ultimately see them pull away to sort of. 13th, 14th, rather than get sucked into that battle with Leeds and Newcastle and Watford and uh, uh, and Norwich, sorry. So, yeah. Uh, give us a call on this one, Ian. Watford, goal-hungry Watford against, quote, struggling Chelsea. How do you see this going down? <laughs> um, oh, do you know? I really don't know. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's a score draw, 2-2. Bit of a thriller for the neutral. Very conservative, very sensible. Okay, uh, Marley, <laughs> would you agree? Another draw for Chelsea, which would make it three and four in the Premier League. No, I, th- I think they'll be all right tonight. Um, I think they'll win comfortably. Three, three nil. Let's go three nil. Okay, fair enough. Right, we're going to move on to the other game from Wednesday night, which is going to wrap up part two before we check out the other three games in part three. West Ham against Brighton. And there's two interesting subplots here that involve the two managers, Marley. David Moyes, if he wins tonight, he becomes the third highest Premier League manager in terms of wins in pretty esteemed company just behind Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger. And then you have Graham Potter, who a little bit like Tuchel was annoyed in his post-match press conference at the weekend because the Brighton fans were booing his players for what they thought was a sub-par performance against the mighty Leeds United. So, talk about Moyes first. Obviously, this record that he's going for would 
probably put him in, as I say, strong company, but he's not in the same bracket as them. He's been rewarded for just chipping away and chipping away and gathering wins over a long career um, spread across quite a few clubs. But their form has dipped off a little bit. This Champions League chat from a couple of months ago has, has maybe taken a bit of a dive with some negative results in recent weeks. We know that he doesn't change a lot. Generally speaking, if there's not an injury, he doesn't rotate his starting eleven. But how does he reignite them moving into a busy Christmas period? He'll want to, you know, manage the pressure of West Ham are going to be in the Champions League, but also he knows that they probably deserve to be definitely in the conversation of the Europa League. How does he get them back on track without upsetting that balance of of expectation within the squad? I don't know, mate. <laughs> uh, if if I knew that, I'd be a I'd be a football coach. But um, you know, it's I think West Ham have found a bit of but found a bit of consistency. I think we've said earlier in the season on a few podcasts now that they win when you expect them to win these days, uh, which has never been West Ham in the in the past decade. Uh, you can ask Jim about that one for sure. But um, they are yes, yes, they're going through a little bit of a. a sort of slow patch but they've got enough quality there to to sort it to sort it out and get back to where they were um they've coped with two games a week all season now so this week should benefit them more i would think because they used to play on saturday thursday or sunday thursday or whatever it might be so saturday wednesday this week is uh, isn't such a challenge for them i don't think so i think i think that could be something that uh, that helps them in in this game um tonight so you know Brighton haven't won in nine either so you know if, if you're looking at if you're out of form what you want to play is a team that's even worse out of form um, and even though I think Brighton fans were absolutely way off when they had the audacity to boo a manager that's had them ninth in the table um, West Ham are you know favourites for this one and, and probably rightly so um, Ian, Marley's done his bird call and, and calling out the Seagulls for this thing with Graham Potter and Potter was really annoyed in his post-match at the weekend obviously the point against Leeds he kind of said it was a positive they played well maybe unfortunate not to get all three points but the fans were booing them they were booing them at half time and they booed them off at the end and Brighton were unlucky I know they hit the post uh, two or three times but in reality in terms of expectations for, for where Brighton want to be Graham Potter's doing a very very good job yeah, I mean, he's you know he's a fairly solid manager, and and I don't think he's going to get them into any trouble. Um, I, you know, it was a scrappy game, and and both sides made it hard for each other. That the Leeds and Brighton match, you know, but Brighton are doing all right. You know, they're ninth. They're they're on the same amount of points as Man United at this stage in the season. I think if you took that um, and if you said at the start of the season you're going to be a point behind Spurs and on the same points as Man United and above Leicester, you'd probably be fairly happy with that. And that's exactly where they're where they're at, isn't it? So, uh, you know, there's 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 certainly worse offerings in in the Premier League at the minute. I don't think getting rid of Graham Potter is going to somehow turn Brighton into Real Madrid. Um, just it's just not going to happen, is it? You know, I think they're doing. On it, doing where, okay. Ian, where did those boos come from? Honestly, um, well, it was nothing to do with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, know. So, I mean, no, we're not accusing put, put you it on of, the of Riley today, man. No. Yeah, not in Brighton anyway. It's far too long a drive. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know, man. I mean, yes, they've they've won no games in. Well, sorry, they haven't won in the last nine. But you've got to have a sense of perspective if you're Brighton fan. You're ninth in the bloody Premier League for God's sake. You finished fifteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth in the last four years since you come out up out of the Championship for the first time pretty much ever. 
you know, you're ninth. You've got one of the best managers in the f- league. Yeah. I, look, this is what happens, I think, in the Premier League, right? So you, you, once you get in the Premier League, you, you get this whole new audience and people who never have, have seen football before suddenly start to follow their local team. And because if you live on the South Coast, then Brighton's the only Premier League team, they're probably going to go there on that, that part of the world anyway. So you get a new generation of fans who suddenly become experts. You've also got younger kids, I suppose, who maybe were slightly too young to, to know what, what football was when Brighton first got promoted and assume that they should be doing as well as all the other teams in the Premier League without any sense of perspective whatsoever and they go on Twitter and Facebook and start mouthing off and now they've got a few years older. I think that can happen. But, the, you know, you've you got to look at the resources that Brighton have got and, and the, the scale of the operation between these uh, clubs at the top, you know, Man City and Liverpool and Man United, and not just financial, but they've got, you know, the best people in the background running these clubs as well. It makes a big, big difference. And, you know, you can't just expect to to suddenly, uh, with the resources that Brighton have got, the area they've got, the catchment for their fan base and stuff, you know, they're competing at a different level because they don't have the same resources and they never will have, unfortunately. It's just how it is. Um, and to be in the top half is is great. And they've got a chance of getting, in, you know, as I say, you're on level on points for Man United. So if Man United can still get into Europe, well, why can't Brighton? So you can you can still achieve these things. And yeah, getting rid of Graham Potter is not going to make it any better. I'm sure you, because, uh, you know, waiting in the wings uh, with his moustache and his shades is Samuel Aladicio. <laughs> Uh, the, the the top manager in uh, in continental Europe at the moment is out of a oh job. Oh God! Or uh, I can't think of I can't think of a man more out of place than Sam Allardyce in Brighton. <laughs> well, I've seen no, him no, dancing. No, 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 no. That just that just uh, sent, that just sent a shiver right moves. through me just thinking just thinking yeah. about him. Yeah, uh, but I'm, well, hey, it could it could well happen. He's uh, I always think he's like the Christmas candy man. That it, around Christmas, if you mention his name, he will appear and get a short-term Premier League job. So let's all be really, really careful and not say his name too loudly. Uh, right, before we take a break, call this one for us, Marley. West Ham, back-to-back defeats. Brighton, I think it's six draws from their last seven or seven draws from their last eight. Uh, but, you know, apparently they want to go on and win the Premier League. So how do you see this one going down? Uh, bronze medal for Moyes or uh, title chasing Brighton getting three points? <laughs> Uh, I'm going 3-2 to West Ham. I think we're going to see a goal fest. I'm going for a scrappy affair, Fergal. I think it'll be 1-0 to West Ham. Ooh, controversial call. The Brighton fans will not be happy with you, Ian, and they definitely won't be happy oh, with that one. God, they will just be booing to live with that. Uh, at the London Stadium tonight. Right, we, uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, but don't worry, we'll be back in a second. Three more Premier League games to get through in Wednesday night action. Wolves against Burnley, the return of Grealish as Aston Villa host Manchester City, and then to wrap up, the small matter of the Merseyside derby. We'll be back in just a second. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. 
Hello and welcome back to Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. And we're wrapping up with three more games in Wednesday night action. Ian, Wolves at home to Burnley tonight. Sean Dyche's game against Spurs was called off because of the snow this weekend. And the only real kind of news from Dyche building into this, because Burnley have not been in dreadful form. They just seem to be drawing a lot of games without dropping into any sort of real danger, was him questioning the position of journalism in 2021. Obviously, there was a big story about him going out in the snow at Turf Moor in a shirt and not really bothering him and he he did one of those brilliant uh, press conferences that gets clipped up for social media where he called out the journalist and basically said is this it is this where we are in 2021 with journalism asking people about standing in the snow and uh, yourself as a journalist are you worried by Daish's comments that that's the direction that sports journalism is going no, I just think it was the only thing that you could take from that particular game because nothing else happened other than Sean Dyche <laughs> standing there in his shirt. I'm disappointed he wasn't in short sleeves. Back to you. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think maybe Dyche is going soft. Uh, I wouldn't quite say in his old age. I definitely wouldn't say in his old age in case he hears and comes round because uh, he's quite a scary individual. Marley, as we say, Burnley, without really being any in, in any major sort of problems, they are drawing a lot of games. If they could get a win tonight, that would be very Dyche to just kind of ease things a little bit going into Christmas. But Bruno Lage and Wolves are deceptively doing really, really well. Just looking at their, their latest run of form, based on the last nine games, they've won six, they've drawn two. They've only lost against Palace, stretching all the way back to the middle of, of September. And there was so much talk when Nuno Santo left. Would that destabilise the club? He was so important to them. Obviously got back-to-back Europa finishes, but then dropped off last season. And then he went off to Spurs and he's now, I don't know, I don't know where he's working now. Um, but Bruno Lage is doing a really good job. He's got Raul Jimenez back in the team, back scoring goals. And things are clicking for them. And we talk about all these teams in the conversation for Europe. Wolves are in that based on this form. Yeah, he is. Um, he's, he's found what he needs at Wolves. I think they've found themselves a little bit. I think they struggled at first, but if, uh, ultimately they've come good. Um, and I think they needed the fresh start after Nuno. It got a bit stale, a bit boring. Um, I think they needed fresh impetus. Bruno Large has done that. He's got a few key players back. Um, Pedent's coming back. Uh, Neto's on his way back soon as well, so that'll improve them even more. Uh, I think they'll fall away from the um, the European places towards the sort of turn of the year, at January, February time. But I still think they're good enough to beat Burnley tonight. And uh, Burnley don't travel too well. Uh, they don't play football too well right now, uh, unless Corne scores uh, another worldie. But I think Wolves will be all right, um, and they'll 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 get the win tonight. I reckon. Give us a call. So you're going for a win for Wolves, Ian, Wolves, Burnley. How do you see this going? Well, I mean, you say that they've had a good run, um, but looking at Wolves' fixtures, I'm actually quite surprised that they haven't faced a top six side, or certainly a top four side, you would say, since the 29th of August. Um, and they've got them all coming up now. So they've had, you know, yes, they've had a good run, but they have had a good run, if you know what I mean. And playing against Burnley tonight signals their their final sort of easy game, really, yeah. of, um, of of the year because they've got um, Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United all waiting in the wings um, over the, the, the next few weeks or so. So they need to make the best of this. I think they'll probably just, uh, they'll just shade it maybe against Burnley 2-1. Okay, fair enough. Right, moving on. Aston Villa at home to Manchester City. The return of Jack Grealish Marley to Villa Park. And he did an interview this week with The Telegraph and Pep Guardiola did an interview with The Guardian based on his arrival at Manchester City, how he settled in, the whole £100 million tag weighing on his shoulders. And Grealish was quite honest. He said it has been difficult in terms of adapting, maybe a little bit harder than he expected. Um, And he's quite an honest person whenever he gets asked a, a question by a journalist. Pep Guardiola kind of gave a little bit more of a 
confusing answer when he asked about what he thought of, of Grealish's form and he said it'll be a problem if we don't start to see his very best form we want to see it now we've got six or seven months left in the season with lots of nice things to come hopefully but we want to see his best this season I would say that he's settled in perfectly but it'd be a problem if we don't see his best. And just looking at some of Grealish's numbers, um, Premier League and Champions League together, 13 games, two goals and two assists. It's not lighting the world on fire. And Guardiola's comments are a little bit strange, and Guardiola is a fan of a strange quote uh, to the media. What have you made of, of Grealish's settling at Manchester City? I think he's been he's been all right. He's not been amazing, but that, that tends to happen when you're not the main man in the team. I think... A lot of the form of Bernardo Silva is down to the fact that everybody's talking about Grealish and, you know, what's this guy going to do? And it takes the pressure off Bernardo Silva and he can play like he's been playing this season. I think when you start focusing on one guy, it, it sort of has a positive effect on others because they think, well, they're all talking about him. So what about me? And I think that's what Bernardo's been doing this season. So I think when you start to, to forget about Grealish, that's when, he, then that's when he can really, really hurt you. Because, you know, if you... If you focus on him and think, oh, he's out of form, he's not gonna, he's not gonna do too much. Um, he's the type of player that's good enough, obviously, to uh, to really, really hurt you. So, I think going on into the season, uh, as we get towards the business end of it, uh, the Champions League and and the sort of title race in sort of February time, I think he'll come good. Uh, as in, like he'll he'll get to his top form and he'll be a real, real threat for City. Um, and I think they'll. They'll uh, they'll have more than enough to to see off Villa tonight because uh, I just can't back anyone against Man City when they're playing like they are right now. Um, you're obviously going for a win for City, but Ian, I just want to quickly ask you about Steven Gerrard. Back to back wins since he's come in two nil over Brighton and then two nil at Palace last weekend. But he's now facing his first test as Villa boss. City tonight, Leicester at the weekend, and then Liverpool away the following weekend. He's made a really good start and he's put his stamp on the players so far. What have you made of him in terms of what? he might change about Aston Villa in terms of their objectives for the season. With Dean Smith, it was about survival. Does Gerard raise the bar a little bit or is it probably a bit too soon? I think it's probably a bit too soon to change that kind of mission. Um, I think you know the number one aim for any team surely has to be survival because you know there's no point having your, your sights set further up the table mm. if you're still floundering around at the bottom and they're all right at the minute you know but again they're still in that group with so many teams in that as I say let's say 10th downwards or even even more than that maybe the top six are the only ones who can really kind of maybe sort of relax slightly at this stage in the season because it is very tight down there you're talking about Man United having 18 points and then uh, Norwich who are in the um, you know the, the top relegation spot in 18th are on 10 so you've got eight points separating a relegation spot and um, you know of being on the, the fringes of, of, of European qualification so all very very tight yet um, number one you know get that 40 points on the board isn't it that's that's what you really need to do or, or whatever it is these days it used to be always be about 40 it's a good aim to have and they're nearly halfway there um, but as you say now they're He's had a couple of matches to ease himself in as uh, Steven Gerrard, but the big tests start to come now. It'll be interesting to see how he goes, and I think until we see how his sides fare against some uh, tougher examination in the form of uh, City and, and Liverpool and so on, um, we'll get a better idea probably You know, come uh, come after Christmas uh, as to where they're maybe heading, but they need to get through this period now, and yeah, survival surely is the uh, is the first aim. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, right, final game of Wednesday night, the Merseyside derby, Everton against Liverpool. Marley, looking at previous records in terms of Everton, they have been very, very solid at home against Liverpool. Last four games have been draws. Three of them, not the most exciting, they've been nil-nil. Last season, they went to Anfield and broke that long, long, I think it was 21 or 22 years that they'd not won at Anfield. But based on their form in recent weeks, it doesn't look as if it's going to go in that direction tonight. Two points from their last seven Premier League games. And we talked about it on Sunday as well. And I've been chatting to a few friends and colleagues who are, who are Everton fans. And they said that the away end at Brentford last week was just toxic towards the players, towards Rafa Benitez. Under David Moyes and even all the way through, even under uh, Sam Allardyce, Liverpool going to Everton, you knew that it'd be really hostile for Liverpool. They'd make it really difficult and they'd scrap and scrap and maybe get a point. That doesn't look to be the case tonight. Everton are absolutely decimated by injury and their confidence is through the floor. Yeah, absolutely. I think you mentioned the last four have been draws at Goodison Park, but the last time Everton won at Merseyside Derby at Goodison Park was uh, October 2010 when uh, Tim Cahill and Mikel Arteta scored the goals. So you're talking about how, how dominant Liverpool have been um, and it's it's backed up in the stats. I mean, you know, unbeaten for... Uh, at your, your biggest rivals for 10 years is absolutely massive. Um, and in those 10 years, you could argue that Everton have never been in worse sort of form than this one tonight. So... You know, the, the pressure's huge on Rafa Benitez at the minute. I think some fans have started turning on him. Um, very short memories because I think Rafa has only had his his full-strength squad right at the start of the season mm. and they won the first three games and they were top of the league after three games. Then his two most important players get injured. Uh, then Dekure as well, which is a big loss. And they end up slipping down the table. I don't think that's a, a coincidence. I think that's the uh, more of a, a reason. Um, and they need to sort of back him in January with a bit of money that uh, the previous managers got there, and we can see what he what he does with it. So, um, but going into tonight, I mean, it's it's a huge ask for Everton. But if you're ever going to turn it around and turn the tide, um, beating your rivals at home for the first time in eleven years is the perfect antidote to uh, to what to what Everton have been going through for the last uh, seven or eight weeks. It just it just looks difficult to call in terms of a positive result for Everton. What are you going for, Marley, on this one? Give us a prediction. Uh, I can't. I can't. I mean, I said it was the antidote. I think <laughs> it's it's bloody hard to do though. So I think Liverpool will 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 ease ease this. I'd say three or four one. Okay, uh, Ian. Obviously, we mentioned Everton's record at Goodison in the derby, but based on the here and the now, Liverpool go into this on the back of two four nil wins at Anfield against Arsenal and Southampton. How do you see this going? Yeah, I um, I, I saw an interview with uh, with Rafa on the telly last night, and bless him, he looks a bit stressed. <laughs> sort of has a has an air of a guy who's still trying to convince himself that this is a good idea to uh, to take this Everton job. And uh, I suspect that uh, if if he could have his time again, he'd he'd probably be saying he was busy or doing something else, or uh, even just going to Newcastle for a day or something <laughs> to remember the great times. Yeah. But I think sorry, lads, he... I'm I'm waiting for the Newcastle job. <laughs> Because yeah, he, he missed I'd've... it by about six weeks, didn't he, the poor son? I know, I know. I wish I'd have just hung out for that. Damn. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough ask. Everton are not firing on all cylinders, seem a bit disjointed at the moment. Liverpool, however, are firing on all cylinders. It's going to be an exciting game. It's always a good one. The derby, blood and thunder and all that. It's going to be an exciting watch. Um, but yeah, can't see anybody other than Liverpool getting the win. But it's always a great occasion, the, the, the Merseyside derby. And... And you'll notice in the stands as well that there's a mix of fans 
you know it's one of the few games where you'll get um, you know some Liverpool fans sat with Everton fans and they do they do actually do that and and, and they get on it's uh, it's a nice thing it's a nice thing nice occasion and uh, it'd be good to watch for the neutral which I am a bit although I used to support Liverpool when I was about eight so. Oh, big reveal that. Wow. Okay, right. A bit of a shock reveal from uh, Ian at the end of today's podcast. Yeah, I'm going to go three for three. I'm going to go for Liverpool and unfortunately more misery for Rafa. Right, guys, we're going to call it there for today's edition of the Football Social Daily. Ian, Marley, thanks so much for your time. Cheers, guys. Great stuff indeed. And as always with Football Social Daily, we are here every single day with a brand new Premier League podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. If you click subscribe on this episode, you can get access to that brand new show as soon as it is ready. Have a great Wednesday and we'll speak to you again very, very soon. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.